Um, hello, everyone. I'm Wesley Enoch. I'll be your host for this Q&A. Um, firstly, just to acknowledge the traditional owners of this country that we're, we're meeting on in the Kulin Nations and their elders, but also, I think, to celebrate the talents of this particular man here, who I think is, is giving us so much tonight. So if you give him a round of applause. <laughs> Jacob Baum. Uh, to my left here is Isaac Drandage, the director, and further to my left, Maria, Ra Maria Randall, who was the choreographer. But I imagine a, a very strong collaborative team. Give them a round of applause. <laughs> now what we want, oh, 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 no. <laughs> Let's get a bit more light up if there's anything. Just would be good to see their faces, if that's possible. Just more light, more light. And even more. Excellent. Much better. Um, what we'll do is I'm going to ask a few questions of the team here, have a bit of a kind of discussion, and then we'll open up to the floor for a few questions as well. Um, Jacob, I'm going to go to you first. I mean, a, a very confrontational piece of theatre in some respects uh, because it's so honest and so true. I mean, what drove you to make a work like this that was so revealing of yourself and y your own background? Um. I suppose there was a couple of things. Uh, it was it all started during Ilbidri's Black Writers Lab, that started in 2010. Yeah, we started that one, and then 2012 I wrote a, a, a couple of pages of a first kind of initial draft. Isaac um, directed the reading of that, which was upstairs here back in 2012 too. Eh? Okay, so then we had a couple of pages. Yeah, I know. A um, couple of pages and then 2013, it was the anniversary of the first diagnosis of HIV in Australia. It was my 15-year anniversary of being diagnosed and I was turning 40. Um, so there's a couple of things. Are you over 40 now? Oh, you're beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you can stay. Um, so there were a couple of drivers to get me started, but the main thing was that HIV uh, as, as a, as, has Try left the conversation. Section. I don't see it. I don't see it in the media. I don't see it in entertainment. And when it is in entertainment or in, in theatre or film, it's generally uh, memorialised. Um, as something that happened in the 80s Yeah, as we, well. we've got to sit through another AIDS death. Everyone dies. Yes. Um, and we, you know, we live in Australia where we have access to, most of us have access to free meds, antiretrovirals. Um, there are a lot of other issues that we face rather than death, the, the issues of stigma, discrimination, and basically the silence around it. Mm. Yeah, so those were the drivers. I love the, um, the connection to the idea of blood because we talk about blood uh, in terms of lineage, in terms of Aboriginal heritage and things, mm. and this connection between what is a sick blood Mm. as some of the voices from off stage were saying, but also what is the good blood? What's the blood that keeps us going and our, our cultural connections? I mean, yeah. obviously that's, that's a very obvious thing that you were thinking about. Yeah, completely. Because especially when I started to really go into the research into blood um, as a substance and then look at HIV and other blood-borne viruses, which, you know, when you look at the virus, it's, it's a coloniser. Mm. Um, it gets into the healthy white cell. It completely <laughs> rewrites the DNA code, um, mutates and assimilates that coding into its own and then spits it out. And that was just too much of a <laughs> connection for me to ignore. <laughs> Uh, Maria, I'm going to come to you. Just this idea, a, a 
a lot of the movement vocabulary, uh, I'm, I'm seeing different influences all the way through what I thought was sometimes some Islander moves, some very strong kind of uh, um, or ab Aboriginal, what is considered Aboriginal dance moves in there. What was your thinking when you were putting together the movement sequences in the work? Um, it's kind of always come back to something that I'm really interested in and using kind of all those languages of dance styles that are in a one individual body and so kind of looking at Jacob and kind of as an exercise we just listed everything, every style of dance that he'd done and kind of from that preface just based, like made sure that in the movement that was part of the conversation and so that when he was dancing he wasn't leaving anything out, that they were all kind of part of that whole story. There were sections in the dance which felt like it, they, were, they were narrative elements as well. Yeah. I mean, obviously the pointing the finger was was uh, part of the story that was being told, but also mm -hmm. felt like some of the movements that I've seen in, in Islander dance as well. Yeah. Um, just, just talking about, were you trying to, did you build vocabulary from some of the story as well? It, it actually happened the other way around. The, the movement um, idea that we created for blood was um, just a simple idea of Jacob riding where he comes from to his body. So riding where he comes from to like country onto the body. And so using it kind of in a really abstract way and then expanding it bigger to be in the space. And so then it was then, you know, that tie of then, okay, just by a simple point after it then kind of gives what comes before a little bit more meaning. Yes, right. Yeah, and so then that kind of just laid throughout. Um, working with Jacob's body, which is already so exposed from the narrative, I mean, did you have to think about things that would protect Jacob in the story as well through the movement, or was it always about the outward exposure of, of the body? I think in, the, in, in this instance, the dance was his strength, and so there always, dance has always been the protection. Mm. And so there was never like that, I always thought that the drawing from, you know, from seeing this fella dance many, many years ago and all the languages that he has learnt and how strong he is in that. And of kind of going, if that's the, where he comes from, then that's where it, you know, is the most strength and the strongest. And so it's just then within the other bits of how we bring him back to that. When, you know, in the story, he's kind of feeling like he's going off, but then that dance brings him back to that strength. Uh, Jacob, coming back to you, like, you know, we know you as a dancer, we know your body. I mean, I, I'm, you're in very good shape at the moment. Thank Can you. I just say he's in very good shape? <laughs> <laughs> I think the audience might think that as well. a 43-year-old slut. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're thinking about your body in space, your body on the stage, mm. I mean, are you thinking about how people are reading you, not just, you know, the story that's being told, but how they're reading your body? The, the colour of your skin is mentioned in the piece mm. uh, several times and the connection with your father and that kind of story. How, how do you feel that people are reading you through this particular work? Oh. Oh. Well, you're... I actually don't... I'm actually not worried. Mm. Sorry, that's the furthest thing from my mind. My direction in, the, in those instances, I'm listening to... I've got Isaac and Maria in my head. <laughs> Go and feel it, brass. Feel it. You live it. You live it. Um, and I'm hanging on to, you know, hanging on to the narrative and everything that, and all the work that we've collectively done for the last almost three years. I've got their voices in my head. So my job is to relay all of that information so I'm not 
I'm just glad that there are people there to receive it. I'm not worried about how they're receiving it. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac, coming Sorry. to you, uh. I mean, working with a piece that is obviously, um, well, a lot of autobiographical uh, moments in it. Um, as a director, uh, we've already heard that Jacob says that you know, you're in the back of his head, which is a great place for a director to be, I imagine. <laughs> but that sense of saying how... How are you? How did you construct the piece for the audience's reading? I mean, what what were your ways of looking at these elements too? I mean, the projection elements, the music, which is quite extraordinary as well, and all the uh, all the elements of production. Um, tell us a little bit about how you brought those elements to bear. Why did you think about projection? Say, um, I think throughout the throughout the creative developments, we really we really experimented. Um, with kind of with all of these different story sources, um, I think probably the biggest challenge for me as the director is having so many story sources with this work, uh, like the video, dance, uh, choreography, the text, and the nuance in the text and the feelings that Jacob wants to convey in any kind of given moment with that text. Um, sound, lights, there's all of these sources of story that we have at our disposal and making choices, making smart choices about which, which source we use at any given time throughout this piece that's going to be the strongest story source to communicate an idea or to communicate what it is Jacob and we all as artists are trying to express in that in that given moment and so that was that was a major a major challenge for me can you talk me through just the the editing process then too obviously there's lots of material that must be on the cutting room floor that's the nature of devising yeah. um, what made you choose one piece over another I mean what was the the central dramatic question if you like or the thing that you're trying to get across the audience that said uh, or even give us an example of something that's been left behind. No, I think I think the 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 guts of this work, the what, the guts of this work is Jake, out there, raw, vulnerable, and him offering that to an audience. I think is just, I just think it's the most bravest and generous thing that you can possibly give. And so it was a matter of it was a matter of kind of stripping stripping stuff back and making sure that we kind of just supported Jake out there. And if anything kind of got in the way of the story of the narrative, then I'd kind of strip it back. You and used comedy so much, though. I mean, at the very beginning, it's yeah. laugh a minute, you know, wise cracks and lovely um, uh, little observations of people and characters that we all know. And then it kind of moves into, I mean, obviously this is a shaping that you've done too, from this comedy into, it, people remember the conversation, the, the monologue about Anthony. I don't know, I, it would still will stay with me, this beautiful story, but also the way it was being told. It was almost like we were prepared through the comedy of it all, this kind of laughter and this kind of sense of um, uh, bonhomie and the kind of, oh, and falling in love. And then you find this other forms of love all the way through as well, which was quite moving. Thank you. Yeah. Um, really yeah, well, like with all of that, yeah, like what um, Isaac has mentioned about 
being honest and well, just being honest and truthful. Um, uh, yeah, that was a, a choice. Like Anthony came back. This is the this is the kind of journey we've been on for the last three years. <laughs> um, you know, there's things that have just been thrown and put back and thrown and cut and left and whatever. But Anthony came back because the one thing it's been one of the most intense. Um, development processes that I've ever been in because we're all very strongly opinionated. Oh, are you? Really? Um, yes. Oh, um, oh. You know, like we Surprise. all... We're all really clear about where we see things go and, and it's been a really intense thing because every choice that is up on stage, each one of us have fought to have up there mm. and we've had to reason and explain and fight for that to so be So why there. did Anthony come back? Because I... When we got back to this whole thing, I think it was... A thing to do with Anthony was the first story I ever wrote for this show, because Anthony is a real man. He's a that's his name. Um, he was diagnosed back in the mid nineties, and everything you heard was true. Um, so in this story, um, with all the theatre and the conventions and tricks and da 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 that we have, it was like, can we just bring it back just once? in this show where I can just do a little ceremony for Anthony mm. and just honour the man that everybody forgot. Mm. And it was beautiful. There was these moments, I don't know if you felt this too, where, where Jacob was looking right at us and then there's little moments of protection where you looked away, collected yourself and came back. And in fact, those moments were the things that affected me the most. Mm. This moment of seeing you struggle with this particular story and whether... I didn't know whether it was true or not true, but for that moment it was true for me, absolutely. Mm. And an incredibly powerful thing. Can I yeah. just say it was, a, it was actually more of a cultural... Mm. Can I do, it's, it was more of a cultural choice mm. for us, um, you know, and, and that's the... This is the business, this is the industry that we are in and that we deal with. Like, it's all great to make a perfect, structured, beautiful disciplined piece of kind of Western art or whatever, but we have cultural responsibilities mm. and protocols and, and sometimes that kind of, that wins out, I suppose. And sorry, can I just say, and so it is in those practices as well and just also to acknowledge that the main team behind this is Indigenous driven and so for us to create a work that doesn't bring that, make that present, He's like, well, what the fuck are we making this for? Um, <laughs> if I could sing. Uh, so, and I think that's been exactly what Isaac's saying, that, you know, one of the, the things is of going, okay, in our world now, text is our song and dance is what we, our movement. And so what we've, we have at our disposal are these things. And so, you know, and that's what Jacob said many years, years ago of going, I want this to be ceremony. How do we make this ceremony? And it is, it changes. The song changes, the dance changes. You go from one place to the next. And that's what it is. And it's been, you know, that thing of acknowledging that and making sure that that's present in it. Beautiful. I'm going to open up to the floor if you have any questions. Can I ask you please to have questions rather than statements or things just so we can get things out from people just up there? So 
how did you feel spiritually, culturally, and emotionally going back and reliving those moments, going back over those moments, mm. examining them to make a piece of theatre? Um, well, I suppose up until now it's been 18 years in the making. So when I started writing this, it was 15 years since I'd been diagnosed, gone off the rails, like a lot off the rails, um, and found myself back on the rails. Um, so I was prepared to write this story and in the first six months it was kind of like an exorcism. I, w I was actually able to make peace with a, f a few things from the past. But I also had some really strong spiritual um, protection around me to go there. These two here have been beside me the whole time. So I've been protected Basically, I wouldn't have been able to do this. Like, I owe a lot to this woman here when I was diagnosed in 98. Um, when everybody else around Sydney was just like, out, get out of Nasda, get out of town, just leave, you're sick, wa da 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 It was Maria and her sister and her cousin Kenny who opened up their flat to me and, ga and gave me protection. I owe this woman a lot. <laughs> yeah, so I've always been protected. Other questions, yes. Thank you for your beautiful story and thank you for, um, thank you for the kind of really economical way you told that story. <laughs> cut up narratives um, without sentiment. But I'm really interested in what was the hardest thing you left out. The question's about, well, it was basically saying thank you for the economics of the mm. storytelling as well, the cut-up narrative. But what was the hardest thing... Or the, the hardest thing to leave behind, the thing that you've left out. We polish our narratives, but they're polished because of the things we leave. Yeah. You so the things you left behind. Nothing. Um, no, throughout the process, we've always served the story. Um, you know, when our egos have read, read up and had their moment in the space, we've always been able to pull each other back and go, is this serving story or ego? So everything up there has been, there's nothing there that shouldn't be there and I, we, I don't think we regret anything. I don't regret anything that has been dropped. Well, maybe ask the question a different way. What was the hardest thing you fought on uh, to get in or out? I mean, you talked about Anthony, uh, Anthony coming back in. Or was it the, the hardest thing? It was at one time Anthony and Percy at the top. It was, and that was the funny thing because it was those two things, they were just written at the wrong section. We just had to... Find its place. Find its it. place. Mm -hmm. Because they were gone for a long time. Yeah. Both Percy and Anthony had been gone for a long time, but then I had to rewrite and rejig, and then we all had to rejig in the space to see how things worked. Mm. I don't know. Anything for you to and, and a lot of um, a lot of the script changes didn't actually happen in the rehearsal room. It actually happened while they were having cigarettes. <laughs> so these two <laughs> They'd go, we'll have a break, they'll go out and they'd come back and go, oh, we've done this and this is going to go here and that's going to go there and then now we we're going to do this. We are not advocating that cigarette smoking is no, no, the no. creative no, act. No, 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 no. But that's when it happened. Yeah. I'm ringing Tom Karma now. <laughs> but that idea of the moments that you take your foot off the accelerator are the moments when you feel the, the most. Uh, got time for a couple more questions. Why did you feel uninvited? Uninvited where, sorry? In your script of what you wrote about your experience, you felt uninvited. 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 Oh. You mean in the in the program or where? 
the writer's notes. Ah, uninvited. So in the writer's notes, talking about being uninvited, explain to me because I haven't read those notes. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. So what we have is, um, well, what I call, and not just myself, but we do have a bit of an AIDS industry with all the advocacy and support bodies, particularly in Australia and other countries, um, that are pretty much controlled by gay white men. And there are no other voices at that table. And the disease, HIV has not been a gay white male disease from day one. It never has been. Um, it's fallen into the hands of gay white men to keep uh, providing support and carrying the message. But ever since day one, there have been men, women and children of all ethnicities affected by HIV, yet none of those voices are at the table. And that needs to change. Why not? Why not? Why aren't they there? Because gay white men are in the seats of power. <laughs> you could say white men everywhere are, yeah. and whether they're gay or not. Yeah. But where's, where's the privilege in all this? I mean, mm. can I ask this question then? In terms of identity, there are intersecting identities for you. Mm. I mean, you talk about being HIV pos talk about being Aboriginal, mm. talk about being a dancer. I mean, in, in a world that's asking you to be one or the other, mm. or, or one's rejecting you for whatever reason, do, where do you fit in all of that stuff? How do you see your own identity? If, you, if I was to ask you now mm. to state your identity, how, how do you describe yourself? Oh, true, Wesley. I'm 43 by now. I don't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Other questions? There's a question here. Um, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, and I wanted to ask which works, which projects in your career have prepared you for this? Which projects in your career, Jacob, have prepared you for this? All of us? Oh, me, you, you. It's all about you. Oh. <laughs> prepared me what for projects this. What have, projects have you done in the past that you go, have prepared you for where you are now? Oh, um, I don't know that any... There's, oh, God. There's a lot that has helped me get here, but nothing prepared me for this. I've never done a solo show. Um, I've, this is the first time I've had a play produced. I've written a play that's been produced and danced it and da-da-da-da-da-da and co-produced it. I, this is a fir there are a lot of firsts in this one for me. So there's... Um, I don't... There's a lot I've done, but I don't know that it prepared me for this. <laughs> it's strange because I've never, I've never seen you as, a, as an actor who does text uh, in the past. Mm. I mean, what made you go... I mean, you do it so brilliantly. I mean, taking on character, just absolutely brilliantly. <laughs> What's prepared you to take on... Look, Percy, you know, mm. what prepared you to, to, to create Percy for us? Well, tonight. He's also... There's one line in Percy's speech that is actually from a real conversation I had with an old queen in Sydney. Um, the Beecham Hotel, that's the one I was trying to remember. The Beecham Hotel, there's this old queen that used to sit on the end of the bar, used to hold court every night. And the, we had a conversation about that somehow HIV AIDS came up in the conversation. The, all the old queens had just got back from seeing, um, what's the Peter Allen thing? And they were just raving about boy from Oz. They were raving, and then they were talking. And then all of a sudden, it got on to the HIV thing. And that queen, the old queen, said, um, "Yeah, there's one line that's actually true. You know, oh, they had their little spies running round, seeing who was playing what music and what flowers was going on whose casket. It was sick, and that's what drove me for to do Percy." <laughs> there was a question here. Yes. Um, 
Amazing. Who was the image of? Oh. Uh, the question is, who was the image in in the projection? Who was it? The old man or the lady? Oh, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> and it's that's the that's the nana. The lady's hands. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I just wondered if it was your dad. Wondered if, if it was no, dad's, dad's out back in an urn. You can go yeah. say hello if you want. <laughs> he is. But it's interesting. <laughs> that, but the question's a reasonable question to ask because you you cast him, you 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 constructed your father, and I think we we then kind of read those images as as you had asked us to read him. Is that your father? Is that the other eyes? The other things looking at the gaze from somewhere else? All of that stuff. You asked us to do that, and I believed it too. I kept looking, going, "Who's that old man?" Mm. You know. There was a question over here. Yes. Oh, the question is, what happened to your nan? My nan? Your dad's or your dad's nan? Oh, my dad's nana. Um, uh, I don't know that that... Yeah. Um, mm. Mm. It's a bigger story? Yes. It's a different show. Another, Another show. show. But can yeah. I say this? It's interesting, though. You've been so open and so out there because it's your story. Mm. The idea of telling other people's stories is something that we go, oh, do I have permission to say that or not do? And I imagine that would, has been a, a strong editing thing. Where, like, to tell your father's side of the story here mm. was quite, quite amazing, I thought. Mm. You know, and we all replay the relationships with our fathers as we go through. Um, what gave you permission to tell his side of the story rather than, in this case, your nan's? Um, permission to tell dad's? Well, to, to, to put him on stage, to tell his perspective. Dad, um, dad had always, and my auntie Helga, who was also an entertainer back in the day, um, have always wanted me to put our family's yarns up on stage. Um, and dad... I don't know if you fellas believe in any of this, but my father passed away oh, when I first started writing this work and he was with me for a good year every time I sat. He came to visit and he would give me more yarns. Um, and, you know, yarns that I'd already heard before, but he had been there for probably a good year he hung around with me after his death to see that I finished off what I needed to finish off and then he left. It's a lovely thing. Last question from anyone. What would you like to do if you were a white man? <laughs> what would you like to do if you were a white man? I don't um... <laughs> Get black most probably. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but no, can I answer that? Can I pull that question somewhere else saying, about empowerment then, the, that the, we uh, attribute being a white man to power and decision-making or, or having authority. I mean, if you had the authority to do anything, what is the thing that you think is the most pressing thing for you to achieve? Oh, shit. Um. <laughs> At least in this state have cultural services in place for uh, our mob who are living with or affected by HIV. Um, the VAC only decided to put an Indigenous uh, 
cultural liaison on last year. And that's a, a part-time position that doesn't have much power at all. There have been no cultural services for Indigenous people with HIV in the state of Victoria. Um, and, or pretty much any other ethnicity for that matter. Um, so if I could, if that, if I could do something, that would be it. Particularly because we have a rise, we have a spike, there are cluster groups popping up around the state of Victoria with Indigenous women being the main new demographic that the detection rates are just, there is a spike in. So more than ever, we need cultural support and programs for our mob to access so that they can deal with this news when this news comes. And for our, our mob to be able to support that. Similarly in Northern Territory, Ben, I'm hearing Ben. Uh, it's time, we've been talking for half an hour, which is extraordinary, These, this time goes so quickly. Um, can I say, I think we've all shared an incredible night in the theatre, uh, an honesty that burns into your soul, a story that I think we will take away with us. And when we see or experience people who are dealing with HIV or people who are dealing with any kind of uh, sets of, of sense of connection, rejection in our community, in our, our Indigenous communities, that I will remember this particular moment and just remember this particular play. And so we should talk about how this show tours around the country and the world yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, please join me in thanking the team. Isaac Drandage, Jacob Baum and Maria Randall. Thank you very much. <laughs>